charged or get a booster shot, you know, for the rest of the week. It's always good. Praise God. Remember, any time sowed after the Spirit is not wasted time. Amen. Praise God. If you keep God first, then He'll keep you first. Amen. All right, 2 Corinthians 2.11. Let's go there, 2 Corinthians 2.11. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. And so if we're unlearned or ignorant of the devil's devices, then he'll be able to take advantage of us, you see. And uh, if we're not ignorant of his devices, then he won't be able to take advantage of us. Now, one of the devil's devices, or one of the way he operates, one of the ways that he operates is found in Revelation 12 and 10. So let's go over there. Revelation 12 and verse 10. Let's go to Revelation 12 and 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Notice the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser of the brethren. Now, here in Revelation, when he's cast down, that's yet a future time from from the time we're talking about right now. So we need to realize that the devil is still operating as the accuser of the brethren. The accuser. And he likes to bring accusation. You need to realize that about the devil. That's one of his devices, is he's an accuser. Now, to accuse also means to find fault with, to find fault with. And you need to realize that the devil is a fault finder. He's a fault finder. And uh, also, he's a defamer and a slanderer, a defamer and a slanderer. So you need to realize that about him. And if you do, then he'll not be able to take advantage of you in this area. And what I wanted to do tonight is talk about somebody that the devil probably accused more than anyone else. And that's Jesus himself. Jesus was accused by the devil probably more than anyone else that's ever lived. And so we'll title this tonight, teach for a few moments talking about Jesus the accused. Jesus the accused. How many of you know Jesus never sinned, did he? He never missed it one time, did he? Did Jesus do everything right his entire life that he was here on the earth? He's never missed it one time, has he? But yet he got accused again and again and again. And you realize this, Jesus said the servant's not above his master. The servant's not above his master. So if Jesus got accused, isn't it fair to assume that you and I will be accused at some point in time by the devil? Huh? When we're, when we're innocent, we haven't done anything wrong? Now notice Luke 4.13. Notice Luke 4.13. Remember after Jesus had been tempted in the wilderness, you know, at, you know, he had fasted 40 days and nights and then he was tempted and... He resisted the temptations and he overcame the temptations. And notice in verse 13, it said, When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, from Jesus, until an opportune time. Or one version says, for a season. He left Jesus for a season, but he came back again. And the question is, how did the devil return 
to attack Jesus. And you see right here in the wilderness, he was, a, he was tempting Jesus directly, but then he left him for a season or until a more opportune time. And the question is, well, how and when did the devil return to give Jesus more trouble? And you need to realize this, that here in the desert, the devil dealt with Jesus directly, but after that, the devil used people. The devil used people to try to get at Jesus. Now, you need to understand that. Did you realize that people, even Christians, can yield themselves to the devil? That doesn't mean they're demon-possessed. That doesn't mean, you know, anything along those lines. But people can yield to the devil. Well, how is that? Well, have you ever heard a Christian talk bad about somebody else? Well, when they're talking bad about somebody else, guess what they're doing? They're yielding to somebody. Who are they yielding to? To who? The The devil. Oh, yeah. Um. Uh, I've seen people again and again over the years, they'll sit in a service and amen the pastor. And, and, and no more than the pastor dismisses on a Sunday morning within 45 minutes. Those same people that were amen in the pastor are at a restaurant, nearby restaurant, yielding to the devil, lock, stock, and barrel, talking badly about the pastor and his message. Huh? So... You need to be sure that you're not one of those people, one of those Christians that yields themselves to the devil. How many of you know our flesh would like to yield to gossip and whatnot? Is that right? Well, we have to keep our flesh under, don't we? But you see, there were people that that the devil stirred up and they came against Jesus and they accused him. They accused him. You understand that? They accused Jesus. Now, did Jesus ever do anything wrong? No. But yet, the devil left him for a season, but he came back, and he came back in the form of people that were yielding themselves to the devil to accuse Jesus. Now, you need to understand something else. As I study the Bible, and as I look at the ministry of Jesus, I never really at all see the sinners giving Jesus any problems. Guess who gave him the problems? It was the church people. Huh? Or the synagogue people. Let's put it another way. It was the religious people. Did you hear me? The religious people. They were the ones that gave Jesus all the trouble. And I mean they gave him all kinds of problems. And he'd heal people and they'd get upset. Well, look here at Matthew, the 12th chapter and the 10th verse. Look here at Matthew 12 and 10. Let's just look at some instances where Jesus got accused. I don't know why I'm on this tonight, actually. It's just other than the Spirit of God, I felt wanted me to talk about this tonight. Uh, Of course, on Sunday, we're going to talk about overcoming fear and walking in peace. And so I believe that'll be good. Be in prayer, by the way, for Sunday that we say what it is the Spirit of God once said. But for tonight, let's look at this. Look at here, Matthew 12, 10. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand... And they asked him, now this was the religious crowd, they, they asked him saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Notice that they might what? That they might what? Do what? Now everybody participate and answer me. That they might what? Accuse him. 
that they might accuse him. Now, what is the devil? He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser. And so they're, they're, try, they're making accusation against Jesus. And there's that man there with the withered hand. And they wanted to see if he'd heal him or not on the Sabbath. And you can read the rest of the story. What did Jesus say? He said, stand, stand out here and stand forth. And then he said to the man, stretch forth thine hand. Is that right? And the guy stretched it forth and he was healed. Is that right? And the religious people got upset because Jesus did it on the Sabbath day. How many of you remember that woman who had a spirit of infirmity? Spirit of infirmity? Spirit of infirmity. 18 years, right? She's bent over. Is that right? And Jesus healed her on, what, on, on, the, on the Sabbath. And, and the religious the leader of the synagogue there said, you know, well, you got six other days you could come and be healed. You don't need to be healing her on the Sabbath. Isn't that sad? All you can say about that is that's sad. It's pathetic and it's sad, isn't it? That's what, re- that's what religion, you know, that kind of, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Religiosity, religious people bound by rules and regulations. And, uh, and they never really under... Did you know I, I've, I've learned this too about people that make accusation? They really never do know the truth of the matter. Did you get what I just said? If you're taking notes, you ought to really write that one down because as you get into looking at these religious people that, that came against Jesus and accused him of breaking the law of Moses by healing on the Sabbath, they really didn't understand the law of Moses. They really didn't understand what the Sabbath was all about. You, do you understand that? And people that accuse and that people that yield themselves to the devil and give themselves over to accusation uh, I'd say without exception, everyone I've ever seen over all these years, when you get right down to it, they don't really know the truth of the matter of what they're even making accusation about. Did, did you get what I just said? Did you or didn't you? You need to understand that. Now, let me ask you this. They accused Jesus again and again of violating the law of Moses. Did Jesus ever violate the law of Moses? Did he ever? No, in fact, look at Matthew 5.17. Look at Matthew 5.17. And actually, I'm, I'm teaching this message to help you better recognize people that uh, give themselves over to the devil and, and, and operate in this accusational mode. If you listen to this message and get a hold of it, you'll be able to recognize when people are yielding themselves to the devil through this means and you can avoid those people. Can you say Amen. Now, now look at this. Did Jesus ever violate the law of Moses or did, did he come to violate? Now, look at Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but what? To fulfill. So they were accusing him of something that he was totally innocent of. His motive was never to, 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 to violate any of the law of Moses. Now, Jesus did violate the traditions of men. But the traditions of men, all that does is make the word of God of what? No effect. Jesus violated the traditions of men left and right. And thank God that he did. But he never violated the law of Moses. We need to violate the traditions of men. That's one reason folks have had some trouble with me over the years in the pulpit is because I don't care about the traditions of men. I just want to flow with the Spirit of God. Did you hear me? And I've had people get just so mad at me over the years because I 
you know, didn't, didn't uh, you know, just flow right along with their religious tradition. And, uh, but you know what? I don't give a flip about their religious tradition. I want to follow what the Word of God has to say. Amen? And so I've been accused too, and, uh, but falsely. Uh, and we'll talk more about that as we go. But look at this next one. Luke 23, verse 1. Luke 23, verse 1. Uh, let me ask you before we get to it while you're turning. Did Jesus ever tell anyone to not pay taxes? He never, he never told anybody to do that, did he? He never did. Does anybody know what he said about rendering unto the things that are Caesar and unto God, the things that are God. Is that, now, that's what he said. But now look here at Luke 23, 1. Now, this, now this one happened. Now, now, all through his three-and-a-half-year ministry, the devil was hitting him with these accusations through people. But look here, near the, right here when, when they take him to, be, you know, to Pilate. Look here at Luke 23, 1. Then the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate, and they began to what? To what? To, to accuse him saying, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. Now, let's, now you know Jesus didn't pervert anything, did he? No. And, and, and so on. And he went again and again. He didn't draw attention to himself, did he? Did he? No. He'd heal somebody and he said, don't tell anybody. One reason for that is, is he wasn't concerned about building a reputation for himself. The Bible said he made himself of no reputation. And forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar. Well, now hold your place here in Luke 23 because we're going to come back and go to Matthew 22:15 and let's let's look and see what look and see what Jesus actually said concerning the taxes. Now they accused him of telling people that they shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar. Now look at Matthew 22, verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted. Now again, Pharisees, religious people, went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. You know, isn't that sad? Instead of them being for him and being excited that he was helping people, they're jealous of him because the people are following him instead of, of the religion. They're not following these religious people. They're following Jesus. And now, so they're going to try to entangle him in his talk so they can accuse him, you see. Look at verse 16. And they sent him, and they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you, nor do you care about anyone. And what that means is you do not regard the person of men. He's no respecter of persons. That's what that means. He cares about us. It, it does, he does, what that's saying is, is he doesn't, respect anybody because of how much money they have or, you know, what nationality they are. He's no respecter of persons. And then verse 17, tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, what were they accusing him of? They're accusing him of saying that, he, that, that you shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar. But now let's see what Jesus actually did say. Look at verse 19. But Jesus perceived, uh oh, he perceived their what? He perceived their wickedness. Do you know to be people of accusation and to make accusation is, is, is wickedness? Did you hear me? And Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrite? Well, hypocrites. You hypocrites. 
We'll see before this lesson is over that almost without exception, when people are accusing somebody of something, almost without exception, they're, they're guilty of the very thing they're accusing other people of. You ought to write this down. They'll always accuse you of what they are. And boy, I tell you what, that, that's some of the best advice I've ever learned over the years. It's helped me in the ministry. People that have given themselves over to, to, to uh, accusation, they'll always criticize you of what they are. And then he says, show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius and he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, now notice what he says. Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Did he ever tell them to not pay taxes? No, No, he never did. You pay your taxes, but also pay your tithes. Amen? Amen. You understand? Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. He never told them to not pay taxes. Give God what's his. I mean, it all belongs to God, doesn't it? You understand that. But uh, give God what, what's God's and give Caesar what's Caesar's. Pay your tithes, pay your taxes. Amen? And they... Now, now, now notice... And another reason I went to this is I wanted to uh, point out a way to handle people that make accusations. Now, wouldn't you think that this answer that Jesus gave, how many thinks it's a cool answer? Isn't it a cool answer? I think it is a cool answer. Yeah. Remember when they brought to him that woman taken in adultery? Remember? And they said, they, you know, they were trying to catch him again there. If you read it, they were trying to, they were trying to catch him. And, and they put him in a situation where if he says, you know, if he says, uh, don't stone her, then that's violating the law of Moses. If he says stone her, that's violating what he's teaching about love. And you know what he said. He said, he that is without sin, cast the stone first, right? Isn't that a cool answer? Now, now now, now I've taught this for years and I believe it with all my heart. Now, you know Jesus is just as human as you or me. Is that right? And he was, now, was he 100% God? Yes. But was he operating as God here in the earth? No, he was operating as a man anointed with the Holy Ghost. Is that right? So, when he paused there, and they were trying to get him to, you know, make, give answer. Remember that? And he, and he made as though he didn't even hear him. Remember that? The woman taken in adultery. And he wrote on the ground. I don't know what he was writing. We can speculate at best. But then he said... He that is without sin among you, cast a stone first. That's a cool answer, isn't it? Now remember, that answer, I believe he got that off the Holy Ghost. He didn't just respond immediately. He waited on the Spirit of God to give him direction. And then he gave that cool answer. The Holy Ghost will give us cool answers, amen? Good answers. And he gave that good answer to, those, to that group of pharisaical, accusational, devil-yielded bunch. He gave them that answer. He that is without sin among you, cast a stone at her first. And what did they all do? They dropped their rocks and left. Is that right? Now, is that correct? So when you're hit with accusation, don't just respond. Wait. 
And listen to me. If the Spirit of God doesn't give you anything, then keep your mouth quiet. And God will vindicate you somewhere else down the road. And if the Spirit of God gives you something, then go ahead and speak it out in love. And guess what? It'll cause the accusers to what? Drop the rocks and leave. Now, look right here. Look right here at uh, Matthew twenty-two, twenty-two. right here. Notice he said, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And notice what they did when they heard these words. It's a cool answer. They, what did, they marveled and what did these accusers do? They left him and went their way. Now did you get what I just said? Did you get what I just said? Huh? Did you get it? So unless the Spirit of God gives you something... Well, I'd call a cool answer. What do you do? You keep your mouth shut, quiet. And God will vindicate you somewhere else down the road. Now, if the Holy Ghost gives you a cool answer, go ahead and speak it out in love. And what will it cause the accusers to do? To drop their rocks, to stop and what? And go. Do you get that? All right. Now let's go back to Luke 23 and finish this up, this part of it. Luke 23... Verse 3, remember they, they had the, these people accuse him. He, this guy says that, you know, Jesus said he shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar. Verse 3, then Pilate asked him, saying... Now, the reason we went over to Matthew, because I wanted you to see what Jesus actually said about the matter of paying taxes to Caesar. But look at verse 3, then this is, this is Luke 23, 3. Then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, It is as you say. So Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowd, Now watch this, I find no fault in this man. I mean, Pilate really wasn't all that bad of a guy, really. I mean, he may have been in some other ways, but he wanted to turn Jesus loose, didn't he? I mean, didn't he? I mean, I'm not saying he was a good guy, but I'm just saying, because there was some things in his life, I'm sure, and things he did that wasn't good. But I mean, he didn't want to crucify Jesus, did he? It was the crowd that eventually, and actually at last, he washed his hands and said, whatever you want to do. So I don't condone Pilate's actions in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I'm not saying he was a good guy, but I'm just saying, you know, he didn't want to crucify Jesus, did he? And here's the thing, here's the thing you need to look at here. When he said, I find no fault in this man, notice verse 5. Notice what it did to this crowd of accusers. But they were what? The more fierce. I've actually seen it already, and I've heard of it too, where people will go out to a restaurant, you know, after the pastor's preached a message, and they'll sit down and they'll start having the pastor for lunch. You know what I mean? And somebody, some good dear person that hasn't given themselves over to the accusational uh, uh, flow of things, they'll uh, pose it and they'll say, I find no fault in the pastor. Stop talking about the pastor. Did you know that'll stir that crowd up? I said it'll stir them up. It'll get them, well, who do you think you holier than that? Holier than that? How many, Huh? Now, when you stand up to fault finders, it'll make them, it'll upset them. It'll upset them. I said it'll upset them. And guess what? Guess when you do that, guess what, dear friends? Guess who's next on their hit list? 
you are. Huh? Don't ever forget this about people that talk badly about other folk in your presence. Guess what they're going to do to you when you're not around? They're going to talk bad about you. 100% guaranteed fact. For sure. No question about it. Did you get what I just said? So just don't give in to that. Remember, if you're on the devil's hit list, you're on Jesus' mailing list. That's what the apostle said in that movie. How many ever watch that movie? You even know what I'm talking about? No, you're better off. It was that movie with uh, Robert Duvall in it. Did you ever see that? Well, you're better off. But he went on there and he said, if you're on the devil's hit list, that means you're on Jesus' mailing list. So I don't mind being on the devil's hit list. How about you? That means I'm on whose mailing list? Jesus. All right. John 10, 20. Jesus was accused of a lot of other things. Now, I watched that movie, The Apostle, after it came out on television and they cut whatever bad was in it out. I think it might have been a PG-13. So I don't go see those. So I waited till it came out on television and there might have been a few words in there that they cut out. I need to say that because otherwise somebody's going to say that I don't practice what I preach. But I wait till it comes out on television and they've, they've edited it. Can you say amen? You know, there's a lot of good movies out there if they cut the cussing out and the sexual innuendo. There's a lot of movies out there that would be pretty good if they cut that stuff out. Is that right? A lot of, lot of them that, you know, that I've watched on television that after they cut the stuff out and, you know, I'll say, man, that was a good movie. Why, did they didn't, they, if they, why didn't they just release it as a PG movie? They didn't have to put all that, you know, that cussing and that stuff in. I don't know why they do that, but, uh, but I wait till it comes out on television and they cut that stuff out. Anyway, John 10 and 20, go there. Let's look at a few other things that Jesus was accused of. John 10 and 20. And many of them said, he has a what? Demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? <laughs> Can you imagine they said that about Jesus? You know, they've said that about a lot of preachers in the land over the years. You know, they've said that about Brother Hagin. Did you know that? How many of you know they've said that? Huh? Did you know that, that you can actually go on the, on the Internet and you can find where they'll say bad things about Billy Graham? Huh? How many knew that? They say bad things about Joyce Meyer. Let's say bad things about, about uh, you know, good men of God. Brother Hagin's been accused many a times of operating under demonic influence. But, he's, he, but, he, but you know what? He doesn't operate. He never did operate under demonic influence. There was, there's one on there that I saw many years ago. You know, Brother Hagin, once in a while, you know, he'd lick his lips... And they said he was, his tongue was shooting out of his mouth like a serpent. Now, you know that? I'd be afraid to say that about a man of God like that. But they'll accuse people of just about anything. 
And it's religious. You know, you know the people that are making these accusations are not the people that are attending his services that are getting healed and helped. It's the people, it's, it's preachers on there that's coming against him. Well, Brother Hagin's in good company. What did they say about Jesus? He has a what? Demon in his, in his mad. He's crazy. At one point, they said that he cast out demons by the prince of demons. Remember that? That's in Matthew 12, 24. You can look that up. Matthew eleven 18. Let's look at what else they accused him of. Matthew, are you getting anything out of this tonight? I'm not boring you, am I? Just interesting, if nothing else. Matthew eleven eighteen. Now, notice Jesus, we'll just get John in here, John the Baptist, while we're at it. He said, John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. Did John get, did John get accused too, John the Baptist? Yeah. I think any real man of God gets accused of these things at one time or another. How many of you know John was the greatest prophet ever born of a woman? But yet there was people saying that he had a demon. Is that right? And in verse 19, And the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And do you realize there's some people you can't please? Huh? Do you realize? You realize that, don't you? Now John came neither eating and drinking. The people didn't like that. And, and Jesus came eating and drinking. They didn't like that. And they said, look what they said. Look, a, a what? A... A glutton? A wine-bibber or a drunkard? And a friend of tax collectors and sinners. A friend. And the implication there was is that he was, he was favoring sin and extortion. And that's what they accused him of. How many of you know Jesus was not a glutton? And he was not a drunkard? And he was not in favor of sin and extortion? But did he get accused of that? Yes, he did. Now look at John 12, verse 3. Look at John 12, verse 3. Did you know that Jesus got accused of stealing from the poor? In essence, he got... We could make humorous about it and say he got accused of stealing candy from a baby. But you know Jesus would never steal candy from a baby. Is that right? How many of you know he wouldn't steal from the poor, would he? But look at John 12, verse 3. And Mary, that's the sister of Martha and Lazarus, took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who uh, would betray him. Now notice who's going to make the accusation here. It's Judas Iscariot. Who's going to betray him here eventually. And notice verse 5. Now watch this. Knows what Judas said. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? What's he accusing Jesus of? Stealing from the poor. And he said, and he said, not that he cared for the poor. Did Judas care for the poor? No. But because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Now, what did I say a while ago? They'll always accuse you of what they are. Accusers will always accuse you of what they are. Now, Judas 
was accusing Jesus because, see, he expected Jesus to say, Oh, Mary, stop. Hold it. We're going to take this and we're going to go out and we're going to sell it. And we're going to take the money and we're going to have Judas go give it to the poor. That's what Judas... You, you understand? Judas wanted, Judas wanted Jesus to have Mary sell that and put that money in the treasury so that, you know, the way Judas is presenting this so that he can go out and give it to the poor. But uh, Judas was going to get that money in his own pocket, wasn't he? Judas didn't care about the poor. He wanted to get whatever that oil was worth. Is that right? So what does he accuse? He's accused, he, he wanted Jesus to stop it. Jesus, stop that. You, you, you ought to let her break that on your feet. You know, that ought to be given to the poor. He's accusing Jesus, really, of stealing from the poor. Is that right? But who's the thief? Judas, not Jesus. Do you see that? And so what is the thief doing? He's accusing Jesus of what he is. Don't ever forget that. Now let's close in Matthew 26. And then we'll be done. I, and again, I don't know why I'm on this tonight other than it seemed like this is what the Lord wanted me to talk about tonight. So maybe it's going to help somebody. Trust that it will. Then uh, we'll close right here. Matthew 26, 57. Matthew 26, 57. And those who had hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought... Now what did they seek? They sought false testimony, or we could say false accusation against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Praise God. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But... But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do, do you answer nothing? Now, now, something else we learn here. You know how Jesus had those cool answers, you know, about rendering unto Caesar and he that's without sin cast a stone? Well, right here, what's he do? What, what if you're not getting a cool answer from the Holy Spirit? What do you do? Keep your mouth. Keep your mouth quiet. And God will vindicate you down the road somewhere. Do you answer nothing? What is, what is, what is it these men testify against you? But Jesus, verse 63, Jesus, what did he do? He kept silent. He kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us. If you are the Christ, the Son of God, Jesus said to him, It is as you said, nevertheless I say to you, hereafter you'll see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. Did he get accused of being a blasphemer? Yeah. Was he a blasphemer? No. And so on. Well, Jesus got accused, didn't he? Did he do anything wrong ever? No. Nope. Did John get accused? Yeah. John was in good company, wasn't he? Uh, did, we, did we mention Brother Hagin? Has he ever been accused? Yeah, he's in good company. Did Paul ever get accused? Oh, yeah, he's in good company. He's right there with Jesus. You know, Paul was accused of preaching. You know what they, they did? Paul, you know, he had, he had the revelation of the, the grace of God, and he, he preached the grace of God. But, you know, again, the religious people, they came in there, and they accused Paul of preaching 
And here's what they accused him of. They said, Paul is telling you to continue in sin so that grace can abound. Be the biggest sinner that you can be because the bigger you sin, the greater God's grace is going to be. That's what they accused Paul of preaching. Did Paul ever preach that? No. But that's what they accused him of. And then Paul actually, he did give answer to that over in Romans. He said, uh, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then what did he say? God forbid. No. I remember uh, a couple of personal stories. Uh, I remember uh, this one couple came many years ago and uh, we had just moved into the building. And uh, well, actually, when they first came, we were still up in the school. And they came to me and they, they said, uh, we, we left such and such church because the pastor over there quit preaching the word. Well, I've learned, so I was younger back then, so I just let it go. Now, now, if they came up and made accusation against another pastor, I would say, let's call that pastor in and let's sit down in his presence if he'll come. And, uh, and then you can make that accusation right to his face. But I didn't, I was younger, didn't know what I know now. So they made that statement, and then we go on down the road. He, so he stopped preaching the word. That's what they told me. So a couple of years goes by, and, and, and then they call me in the office. They want to they meet me in the office. So I met with them in my office right back over there. And they said, Pastor Terry, you've quit teaching the word of God. Well, I guess I must have taught them something in that time, because at least they came and told me they didn't do it behind my back. And so I sat there. Now, you see the same thing they accused that other pastor of. They're accusing me. So I spun in my chair and I went over to my computer and I printed out what all my sermons that I had preached for the last two years. And I said, here, on such and such date, I taught this. And I started giving the scriptures. And I went down after I got through a couple of sermons. The, one late, the lady, she says, oh, pastor, pastor, you just make me so angry. I don't care what you have on that computer. I know you're not teaching the word. Well, see, they get, she had given himself, herself over to what? A spirit of accusation. I couldn't help them. And in the process of time, they left and went on to bless somebody else. <laughs> Some other pastor. Isn't that sad? And I've been accused, you know, I've been accused of yielding too much to the Holy Ghost. And then I've been accused of yielding not enough to the Holy Ghost. You know, it's sad. But you know what? I'm in good company. And the only thing I've ever done is try my best to flow with the Holy Ghost. Amen? I got one time, uh, many years back, the Spirit of God came on me and I got to laughing a little bit in the Spirit. You know, there is a laughter in the Spirit. Now, there is. But I will tell you this, that uh, people get, got carried away with that years ago and they had laughing services and those aren't of God. You might as well say amen. And, and that killed a lot of good churches. They let that in, and, and instead of teaching the word, they had laughing services, and it killed the church. But there is a laughter in the spirit. And I got to laughing a little bit, and one guy comes up to me afterwards, and he said, Pastor Terry, that didn't sound like you laughing. He was implying that I was laughing under demonic power. So you know what? The Holy Ghost didn't give me a good answer, so I just went on my way. And I'm just, I'm more blessed now than I was then. And he's still just bound as, by, as, bound by as much religious tradition than, than as he ever has been. So I'm going to go on with God. How about you? 
I mean, people can chew on me and, and do whatever. I'm going to just go right on with God. How about you? I said, I'm going to go right on with God. Now, you fool with my wife, I'm going to pop you one. But you chew on me, it don't bother me. I'm in good company. Amen? And if somebody's chewing on you, guess what? You're in good company. Amen? All right, ushers, come right on. Praise God. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings.